Hey, and welcome to the Field Trip Podcast. My name is Brent Terhune, and as always, you can check out my website, brentcomedy.com, for all my upcoming tour dates. Finally, back on the road, Binghamton, New York, Louisville, Kentucky, Philadelphia, San Francisco, Avon, Indiana, at the Red Curb Comedy Theater. I like that place. Looking forward to uh, going back there. And also Fort Wayne, Indiana, adding uh, new tour dates uh, daily, if not weekly. Let's flip that. Weekly, if not daily. But let's get to my guest. He's back on the show for the first time. His name is Danny Whitson. How you doing, Brent? Good, good. Thanks for being on the show. Uh, to, to fill listeners in, you're a stand-up comedian. You're also a magician. And a little later in the show, we're going to talk about magic tricks that went wrong. But first, I want to talk about magic because uh, you know, I, I have a bunch of comedians on the show, but I have never had a magician so which came first magic or uh or being a, a comedian uh definitely magic came first um you know i uh i was kind of a late bloomer with magic because you know most magicians they they all wind up getting like a magic hit when they're a kid and mm-hmm. they wind up coming back to it i never got that um you know we were too poor i guess to afford a you know a five dollar magic kit who knows you guys made all the money disappear <laughs> <laughs> it wasn't me but uh, the uh um but yeah i i didn't get into magic until probably about 20 years old i mm-hmm. walked into a brick and mortar store in knoxville and i uh met a magician nick roberts who fooled me so bad with a card trick i caught the bug and the magic we call it the magic bug mm-hmm. is when you catch it because you know, so I don't know what it is. It's, it's like some people, they see magic and they're like, wow, that's cool. It's amazing. And they go on with their lives. But then there's some people they're like, I can't sleep until I can learn how to do this. So that, that was me. Yeah, that's and that's kind of how, you know, comedians do it, not necessarily with magic tricks, but you want to deconstruct a joke. And then once you start doing comedy, you watch it differently as far as uh, I'm guessing where you're going with the joke. And it's, it's always funnier to me when I, what I guessed is not where you went, you know? Um, so it's, I like, imagine, it's like being yeah. guarded down the garden path and then they pull the, you know, the carpet out from under your feet. Mm-hmm. So and, uh, by the way, you mentioned that the magic store in Knoxville, that's where you and I met was in Knoxville, Tennessee at side splitters comedy club. And then, uh, I don't know if it was for you, but our first foray into, uh, private comedy shows uh on a boat for waste management people and that's not me exaggerating i think it was for like trash people you know that that was their business and it was was. yeah yeah like you're performing in the middle of a dining room with people all (laughs) like you're performing in the round on this boat uh and it wasn't a small boat not a huge boat but they served a, a whole meal so big enough we get on the boat we go down the river we turn around and come back, but it was very odd because uh, you, you and I discussed it's uh, people don't, they're not, you, nobody's leaving. So it's like, you're yeah. just kind of stuck on the boat with these people before and after. Yeah. yeah you can't walk no one. And if you, and if you can, that would be awesome. Cause I would want to yeah. see that. Yeah. Yeah. It was so bad. <laughs> this guy walked the plank. <laughs> <laughs> He's got his arm floaties. This is how bad I was. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, so when you start doing magic, it's like with, with comedians, you go to an open mic and you learn 
the, the first your couple of jokes or whatever you just the basics what what do most people learn when they start with magic you know the, there are some books and this is and things are, are a little different these days because of youtube okay youtube has really changed the whole game about how people learn magic but back in my day uh the the bible of 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 card tricks was like Royal road to carve magic. That was the, that was a book that everyone learned card tricks out of. Uh, and then the Tarbell series on, on magic, which is literally every trick in the book. Uh, there's an old ongoing joke in magic that, you know, someone says, Hey, where'd you learn that? What's well, in Tarbell. Um, but I, uh, to me, I, like I said, Nick fooled me really bad with this card trick and I had to learn it. So he's like, well, here, take this book. Uh, it's Bill Tarr. Now you see it. Now you don't on sleight of hand. And it was just a, a, a book full of every nothing but sleight of hand. So I uh, and like how I mentioned, you know, earlier, you know, magicians normally get a, um, a magic kit when they're a kid and they they get the fake thumbs and they get the, the gimmick coins and stuff, all the toys and magic. Mm -hmm. um well you know i didn't get those until later and that's a journey too because those are things when you first learn about these gimmicks and toys and magic that's what they are to you they're toys um but once you learn sleight of hand you come back to those toys and realize they're tools mm -hmm. so you know um like you know a lot of people know about the fake thumb the fake plastic thumb they all yeah. know the silk I use it in my show, every show, and no one ever knows. Mm -hmm. They will, you could know about that secret all day because you know now it's a tool versus back when it was a toy. So, uh, but you know that there's a, you know, to pull a coin out behind someone's ear to make a coin vanish. You know, a lot of things start like out that, and you know, and several simple card tricks. And so, when you say slide of hand, that's just, you know. I'm, I'm quick with my hand. So you thought it disappeared, but really it's just somewhere else. That's pretty well, much what you mean, right? There's, there's so many levels to, to slide a hand and, and Brent, to give you an idea, this is, I'm not exaggerating at all. I stood in front of a mirror for an entire year practicing one move just so no one would ever know it. Mm -hmm. And when you think about that, when you really think about that, there's a, there's a kind of something insane about that. Yeah. You know, uh, no one will ever know what what I re what really happened. Mm -hmm. And then sometimes the method is more impressive than the magic itself. So, yeah, especially, you know, to be disciplined, to stand in front of a mirror for a year to, you know, and at a certain point, I imagine whatever you were working with was good enough, but not good enough for you, you know. And, and that's the other thing with most magicians, most good magicians are perfectionists and it'll, you know, there's moves that they've worked on their entire life that mm -hmm. a layman uh, could, could see that and be like, wow, that's amazing. But it's, it looks like garbage to the magician. So um, uh, I've got those things. Uh, I was going to ask, how do you build a show or your magic show? You know, that was, that was tough too, because it, 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 there's, not a lot of information out there on it. There's some things, but not a lot. Um, I, I started street performing, which, you know, at first I got into restaurants where you do the, the walk around magic and, and then you, you kind of learn, uh, you know, you, you kind of learn how to talk to people and communicate with people and you learn what not to say. I've got some crazy things that I've said when I shouldn't have said them. Uh, like <laughs> I, my, 
Well, one of my first restaurants gig, I'm, uh, you know how like servers, when they walk by, they'll carry all the plates and all the food on one hand. Yeah. Well, I was doing magic for this couple and the guy walked by doing that. And I looked at him, I was like, gosh, he needs another hand. Well, they looked at me like I was this jerk. What comes mm-hmm. out, the guy had one arm. So <laughs> that, that's something you would say at a comedy show too. And then that, you know, you, you, you make fun of the guy and then you realize, Oh, he's only got one arm. And you're like, Oh, so I guess I am the asshole tonight for sure. So, and I mean, there's just so much stuff that you learn there, but, um, but the rule of thumb, kind of like in, in restaurant magic, you would do three tricks, boom, mm-hmm. boom, boom, and get out, move to the next table. And in a lot of ways, that's also harder than doing an actual show because every time you're going to another table, you're starting completely over mm-hmm. versus like at a comedy show or a magic show. Once you kind of get them, you can keep them if you don't really screw it up, mm-hmm. you know? So that was kind of a, t- I, I didn't really like that environment either. Um, so, but uh, I got into street performing and I had to learn to, uh, and it, I had to learn to build a show. To, to almost momentum build up to that closer trick. And uh, luckily I, I was, uh, I met Cosmo, um, Cosmo Cos. Yeah, Cosmo was a legendary street performer. And um, he was uh, doing a, uh, almost like a workshop. Mm-hmm. And he went over a lot of things and kind of told you, you know, like, I, I know you're familiar, you've seen the magicians do the Bill and Lemon. Yeah. Or, I, or what is that, by the way? Well, that's where that's I'm sorry. And, you know, for people who don't know, yeah. the uh, basically uh, the magician will borrow a bill, have a spectator sign it, and then it uh, disappears and reappears inside of a, a lemon. OK, yeah, it, it's a classic. Uh, Jaro Jaro was the first one to do it, I, be, I believe. And, uh, you know, it's just been a classic ever since. Well, one thing that it works so well on the streets is because um, when you're cutting that lemon open, and I learned this from Gazo, not Gazo, Cosmo. Sorry, Gazo's another legend. Yeah, but, you, uh, you throw out a lot of zoes at me. <laughs> a, a lot of zoes. <laughs> the, uh, but Cosmo, uh, when you cut open that lemon and you pull out that bill, you can do your hat line. You know, your hat line is whenever, you, you know, you're, you're telling them, reminding them, tip me, pay me after the show. And, um, but when you're revealing that, that bill and you're doing your hat line and you go to hand that money back to that spectator, everyone's watching them now, everyone. So there's two choices they can do. They can either take that money and stick it back in their pocket and look like a jerk, or they can drop it in your hat, you know, and nine times out of 10, they drop it in the hat. So that trick is structured basically to get your money. Yeah. You know, to get That's paid. That merch pitch without the merch pitch. Absolutely. That, that's that the hustle mentality of uh, I'm trying to think of to equate it with something in comedy. Oh, uh, when you give uh, you buy somebody a drink, you're like, I got their drinks or whatever that endears you to the rest of the audience. And that's not necessarily, oh, buy my stuff later, but that doesn't hurt either. You know, that's true. And, and another reason why to borrow money in a street performing atmosphere is because those people ain't leaving, baby. Mm-hmm. You got their money, you know? <laughs> so it's a way to keep them there. And, uh, you know, mm-hmm. so, but anyways, I had to learn to act in order to be able to do a street show. So, mm-hmm. and I kind of looked at tricks that kind of built up momentum 
until the to the to the bigger one and uh but it's something now the the way my show is now it's a mixture of stand-up comedy and magic Mm -hmm. and it's uh the the stand-up complements the magic so you're going i'm going to tell a joke you know earlier in the show then later in the show there's going to be a magic trick that's going to be a callback to that Mm -hmm. so everything uh, you know blends together it's that uh, whenever you'd rather go see if you're gonna get see somebody give a talk, you'd rather see see, see somebody that's informative but also funny. Like funny yeah. is always that thing that you could put with anything. Everybody likes to laugh. Everybody likes to be entertained. So if that whatever that thing is you're talking about, if you can be funny on top of that, that's even better. Absolutely, and you know I do want to say this too. And uh, whenever I left street performing, and I, like I said, I showed up the side splitters. Um, to be honest with you, man, you know, I'm a redheaded pasty guy. So the outdoors You're talking to one, so <laughs> yeah, it's, it's not kind to us, to our people, you know? So I had to, uh, I had to find something to work indoors and I didn't want to do kid shows. I didn't want to be a, a, a kid performer. So I remember checking out the open mic at side splitters, Bridget Martin was running it. And, uh, I signed up and like, the, the first night I, I rolled in there, it was just packed. And I, I met a lot of great comics that night. Uh, I don't know if you know uh, Tyler Gooch. Yeah, I know uh, him. Yeah. But uh, <laughs> I met Tyler Gooch that night. You know, I, I met some others. It was it was just really cool. Um, I got on stage and, and I did my, my magic tricks. Everyone loved me. And I thought, well, this is wonderful. You know, I'm indoors doing this. And um, I was like, open mics are great. I got to come back again. Mm-hmm. and uh came back the next time and it wasn't near as fun it was you know there was like f- four comics and a fan blowing <laughs> the whole time it was just you know horrible um when you're building that that outdoor street show what so what's your goal with like are you trying to keep people there for 10 minutes because these this is a pot you're doing gorilla magic like people are not there to see you what you what you do is I would do, I mean, when I first started out, I would do too long of a show because you were like, you know, and I'm going to do this and then I'm going to do yeah. that. It wasn't until that I, I learned about 20 minutes. You got, mm-hmm. you, you do a 20 minute show, bam, you turn it over. Mm-hmm. You know, you could turn over hats, you know, 20 yeah. minutes, 20 minutes. And uh, it's, it's pretty awesome because it, when you're, when you're on a roll, when you're in a zone, you start building that crowd. And I mean, I've had some pretty massive circles built, you know, of, of people watching the show. But th- the thing that I like to do, and once again, I learned this from Cosmo and Cosmo learned it from Jim Cellini, who, Cellini, who is uh, like the father of, of street performing. You know, he's he's passed away now, but he's like the man. Mm-hmm. But uh, uh, Cellini said, if you can stop a child, you can stop the world. Mm-hmm. And what what he would do a lot of times is he would see, you know, parents walking with their children and he would do a crazy trick with a coin and the kid would stop and watch. Well, now mom and dad's got to stop and watch. Yeah. So it, you know, so there's little techniques like that. Um, I, I heard something once and maybe it was Penn and Teller. Obviously, Penn was talking about it. But uh, did you ever hear the thing of like somebody would have a tomato with pins in it and they had a sign so they the sign would be like uh, once all the pins are gone the show starts. Do you know what I'm talking about? 
no, I do know. It'd be like, I I'm do talking know. like needles, like sewing needles. You pull the, the needle out and then, you know, it builds anticipation. So once all these needles are out of the tomato or I'd have to relearn the story, but once all these things are gone, that's when the show starts to build anticipation. Yeah. Yeah. Well, exactly. And, and that's exactly how street show goes. I will do a lot of, I will do some things with a coin, you know, I'll make a coin, uh, you know, I do a move. It's, it's called the muscle pass, but it looks like the coins flying, just levitating out of your hand up to your hand, but actually it's sleight of hand. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I'll do some eye candy things to get people to stop and pay attention. And then also I'm saying things. I'm saying funny things. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm saying things out loud and getting people to laugh and turn around, you know, mm-hmm. uh, all this until I get a crowd big enough to where I, I feel comfortable with starting the show. Yeah. Um, but, you know, I'm the loudest person, you know, I, I want you to notice me. Mm-hmm. So that you know that that's something that you got to learn on the streets if you want to make any money at all mm-hmm. now if somebody today is trying to learn magic how do they do that well you know there's a lot of sources on youtube where they can go learn some stuff but also the the problem with youtube is anybody can anybody can hop on youtube and put something on there mm-hmm. so there's a lot of bad sources there's a lot of bad places to learn and one of the problems, one of the headaches of magic, if you do learn something poorly, it becomes a habit. And then trying to relearn it the correct way can be a pain. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I still recommend take advantage of all the, you know, the information that's out there. You know, um, the, there, there's a thing called magic group, which used to, it used to be a lot more popular than what it is. It's, it never was my thing, but uh, the International Brotherhood of Magicians, uh, the Society of American Magicians, you can join uh, a club, um, what's mm-hmm. called a magic club, and you can go talk to people, other magicians, old guys, just old hobbyists, mm-hmm. you know, that can point you in the right direction. But, you know, now online, you know, it's it's also a little different, too. I mean, heck, they could just go to the website and, you know, yeah. get connected with a magician. Yeah, nowadays, you know, at least with comedy is hard enough because but there even with comedy there's dedicated spaces oh we'll go to the comedy club with magic i know there are magic clubs but i don't think they're as as prevalent as they used to be you know nowhere nowhere close and this is my issue now because uh you know don't get me wrong i i love to see a good magic trick and i, I love you know I, I love it when i when i see something done I, you know but i'm more I appreciate more the performance side on magic and mm-hmm. seeing both worlds, seeing stand-up comedy and magic. I envy what comedians have and comedians are spoiled, spoiled, rotten, spoiled when it comes to platforms. Mm-hmm. Comics can do a show in almost any town, find an open mic almost every night of the week. Um, not so much for magicians, mm-hmm. you know, m- magicians have to do these birthday parties or they have to try to get a restaurant gig um, or they can go to the magic club around, you know, five 75 year olds, you know, uh, it's just, but it doesn't give them a, a real, a real good, you know, practice. I don't think um, I, I would like to see more magic venues, performing venues, mm-hmm. you know, there, I would love to see that. Cause, cause, unfortunately uh, magic there's a lot of bad performers Mm -hmm. in magic and uh and it's it's just because the lack of platforms for them and that that was the other thing that i don't 
envy magicians about because I've worked with a couple and I, you know, I've worked with you and then I just, you could just watch a show and be like, that guy had to have a dove, uh, three different hats, a unicycle, some swords that may or may not be real. Like I with stand up, you could just walk in the door, but magic, it's like, man, you got all this case and you got to buy fruit every day. And I mean, you know, in, in my show, the, uh, you know, I don't, I, I don't use a lemon, I use a cucumber. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, you know, I have to buy, I have to buy a cucumber before every show. I got to make sure I've got enough cucumbers. And then, you know, it's, <laughs> and then I got to make sure I get the cucumber out of my case. You know, if I don't do that, <laughs> it, it can be awful. Uh, but yeah, there's a lot of stuff that um, you got to lug around. And, and that's something that you think about too, you know, you think, do I want to do this routine? Like I only do um, one dove trick, which I don't do that much, but uh, it's, it's called a sucker silk to dove. And it's my original routine. Um, I, uh, I say, um, you know, what, you know, I'm going to make a, a bird appear and I pull out a latex dove and um, then I take a, a, a red handkerchief and well, hold on, my damn mind just went blank for a second, Brent, which is weird. Oh, that's okay. With <laughs> oh, your... <laughs> no, here it is. Here it is. Sorry, 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 sorry. I, uh, I take the red handkerchief first, okay? And I come up with my hand and I say, watch this. I place the handkerchief inside the hand. Then I snap my fingers and I'm like, it's a dove. It's a, you know, and it's a latex dove. I'm like, well, I'm going to teach you guys how to do this, okay? So I take the red handkerchief out, and I say, you keep the latex dove hidden right here, and you keep the red handkerchief hidden right here. Then when you're ready, you sneak out the, the latex dove, and you stuff the handkerchief down here like that. Well, then when I open my hand, I'm now holding a real dove. And I'm like, oh, well, he's just a little constipated. Sorry. And then I, I put the dove away. Mm-hmm. So basically, I crammed it up the dove's butthole. Uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, but that's not one I, I get to do a lot. So, mm-hmm. you know, luckily what they, what, what did, uh, what did I say? Never work with animals or children. Yeah. So, you and I tried that up. trick with a kid, but you know, it got weird. <laughs> um, so people are aware of, you know, David Copperfield on Penn, uh, Penn and Teller, and maybe even somebody like a Justin Wellman who I've open up for and watch he's a super nice guy and and in my opinion a good magician i don't know anything about magic are there other people that you know you tell people to to go check out besides you oh okay well i can definitely tell you people to uh check out um number one uh the magician that he he is what you would call a magician's magician Mm -hmm. who has fooled penn and tiller every time he's ever been on the show um, before, when as soon as I heard he was going on the show, I knew, I knew what he was going to do, and I knew he was going to fool them. Um, Sean Farquhar, okay. Mm-hmm. Um, Sean, he's out of Canada. Uh, he is. Uh, it's just amazing how Sean fools me, fools me badly. Mm-hmm. And um, you know, to this day, there, there's th- I don't even know how he does it uh, on some things, and I, I, I've tried. Uh, I'll geek out here for a second real quick. This is going to get a little magic geeky. But the first time I saw Sean perform the cups and balls trick, you know, we, we all know that trick with the three cups and the three balls. Yeah. Okay. Uh, Sean did his version of that trick, but before he began, and I'll never forget this because I wasn't even performing yet. I was still in the learning stage 
I, I got to see Sean perform this. And he, there's an old, uh, it's called a flourish in magic. It's whenever you do something just to kind of show off a little bit, you know, it's not magic, but it's just to kind of show off. Well, there's a little flourish that you can do with the cups to where you hold all three cups and you'll drop one on top and let go of the one on the bottom. And it creates an illusion like the cups are penetrating each other, you know? Well, we all learn that. That's one of the first things you learn when it comes to the cups and balls. Well, Sean does that. And, you know, my dumb, you know, idiot, you know, I was just, what's this guy doing that for? Gosh, this guy sucks. <laughs> well, anyways, he goes, he starts off doing that, but he goes into his routine. And at the end of the routine, the kicker, like you see the three little red balls, but the kicker is he starts lifting up the cups. And now there's these giant baseballs mm-hmm. underneath the cups, which I'm like, wow, you know, I never saw him get them under there. You know, that was pretty impressive. But then, then he really fried my brain. After he lifts the cups up to reveal there's baseballs, he turns the cups over, and now they're solid chunks of metal. They're not hollow cups. Mm -hmm. They're just solid chunks of steel. Now, I am familiar with the method of how to do that right now. I'm familiar with how to do that. Mm So on the way home, I was trying to, you know, break it down and figure it out. And I thought, ah, I got it. I know how he did it. But then I thought, wait a minute. He did that flourish with the cups at the beginning of the trick where he dropped the cups through each other, showing that they were hollow. That son of a bitch, you know? So my point being is Sean knew what would happen. He knew magicians would try to reconstruct this trick later and thinking they knew the method. But that was a reason why he did that little beginner's flourish with the cups. Mm-hmm. So the, the kind of detail that he puts into routines and work just to it's kind of like a joke with a with a secret punch coming that they never see. You yeah. know, Sean, he knew where we would run to. He knew where, where where magicians would run to. And he had that door slammed shut tight and locked, baby. That's so, that, uh, you know, I just flew in and boy, am I blank, blank. And then instead of arms tired, it's something else. That's where the surprise comes in. Like, oh, something new. Yeah. yeah. So, you know, I heard somebody tell that joke the other night. He was like, yeah, I've been stuck in this pain. I've been in quarantine for a year and boy, are my arms tired. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <And> like <laughs> I, one night we had an open mic where we all, that was the game we all played was you had to open up with a boyer. I just flew in from blank and we all tried to write our own. So it was fun to see what everybody would come up with. That's awesome. That's like one of those bored comedian games where it's like, okay, at least <laughs> this, if you don't have anything new, this is the new thing you will try. Um, so let's talk about some magic tricks that went uh, poorly. Did Have you ever had any that ended in disaster? Probably not disaster, but you're like, oh, that guy's got one arm carrying a tray of drinks <laughs> well you know man it, like in the first year when i was playing with all the the gadgets and toys and stuff you know I, I screwed up a lot you know but luckily that was in front of like family members you know i would go up and i'd have like a a, a magnet on a piece of elastic and i'm trying to vanish something and i make it disappear and they're just staring at me like what just happened and it's dangling from my sleeve you know <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but uh but plenty of times to where in a show uh, things have went wrong. Um, I'll never forget uh, doing a street show 
And um, this was like probably just, you know, my first year performing on the streets. And I looked up in the audience and I saw this beautiful man. And you could tell he wasn't from Knoxville because this guy was just beautifully tanned. He, he just super good shape, you know. And I get to look in, and it's Brian Gillis. Now, you know, the late, great Brian Gillis, he passed away a few years ago, but Brian is a, a legend in magic. He was, uh, he performed regularly at the Magic Castle in Los Angeles, you know, in Hollywood, California. Brian was a big damn deal. And um, he was watching my show. So I'm like, you know, I'm sitting there doing my show and I'm like, holy crap, that's Brian Gillis. Holy crap, that's Brian Gillis, mm -hmm. you know. And uh, I'm at the part where I'm cutting the lemon open and I slice my finger wide open just Oof. And then I'm like, I can't believe I just did this in front of Brian Gillis. He, he can't know I did this. So I crammed my finger in that lemon juice, oh. you know? Oh my God. And it was like excruciating pain, man. I was, I was dying, trying not to cry, but I pulled it off and, you know, it was great. And, uh, you know, Brian being the, uh, such down to earth guy he was, he came up and was like, great show. And it, it, it wasn't a great show, but Brian was like, <laughs> Brian was like great show. Uh, I'm Brian Gillis. I was like, yes, I know. Yeah. You know, and, uh, <laughs> But uh, that was that. That's one that always sticks out. Um, Performing there was, for somebody that you highly respect, and you're like, "Oh my God, I hope this goes well." And then I've had a couple where I'm like, "That was not my night." You know, it, but even to this day now, like, there's been times. You know, I've been doing this so long to where it doesn't bother me at all. But I remember, I remember being times doing the doing the show. And realizing I forgot to set the trick up. <laughs> yeah, I so, don't you do the callback that you didn't you did the yeah. callback, but not the setup to it. Yeah. <laughs> Dude, that almost happened Friday night, by the way. Okay. <laughs> it, in my show, in my show, I do a trick called the vanishing banana. This isn't, and I'm just gonna be honest with you, this isn't classy. Mm -hmm. This isn't anything that you're going to, you know, this isn't stuff you're gonna see at the opera. All right. Uh I, uh, I, I do the vanishing banana. Okay. Well, I vanished the banana and then I'm like, where do you guys think the banana went? Then I walk out and I got this giant bulge in my crotch. Mm -hmm. Well, you know, I go to remove it and it's a cucumber. Mm -hmm. It's not a banana. Well, the cucumber goes on the stool for the rest of the night. And, uh, I close with the cucumber. I close with the bill vanishing winding up beside the cucumber. Well, I was getting ready to close the show the other night and I was about to bring the guy up to borrow his bill. And I was like, hell, I haven't vanished the banana yet. You know? Yeah. Just, you know, I didn't. Uh, did you have to put the cucumber in your pants before the show started? You know what's even amazing about that? I never do. I just okay. slip it. I just. I just slip it right there behind my table. I cram it in my pants <laughs> and uh, it's a, uh, I, I, I played around with that method one time, but yeah, it, it, it didn't work too well. Yeah. So. I worked with other people where they, they, they're comedians, but then they've got a, this could be a Vegas show. And I'm like, this guy had to have two pairs of pants on and <laughs> some, you know, uh, uh, panties on underneath that. And I'm like, that's just a lot of stuff. I just want to tell jokes. <laughs> Uh, it, it but, is, there's a lot of work yeah and that's where i'm like i i'm not i'm clumsy i'm too clumsy to do magic but also i'm like i i can't buy a cucumber every day that's not my thing <laughs> <laughs> let's talk about uh -huh. the magician who tried to quote catch bullets in his teeth 
uh, it was from a quote Chinese conjurer, Chung Li Su. Do you know about this one? Absolutely. Every magician knows about Chung Li. So you know who Chung Li Su is, and I'll just read it off for people that aren't sure. The magician who was actually an American called William Ellsworth Robinson performed a notoriously uh, dangerous illusion uh, of catching a bullet in his teeth. Uh, his assistants used two modified guns for the condemned to death by boxers trick, uh, which secretly featured two barrels. One, uh, uh, one of the real bullets was in the, and the other uh, was a blank. So two barrels, one was real, one was blank. Uh, put on uh, the faithful night, but on the faithful night, March 1918, uh, built up gunpowder residue caused both the bullet and the blank to fire from one of the guns, killing uh, the 56-year-old Sue and he got shot. He broke character. So he's not uh, an Asian man. He, he spoke perfect English. He usually performed in silence. And he said, my God, I've been shot. And he died. And, you know, now it's obvious that Chung Ling Su is 100% uh, n- wouldn't work today. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Absolutely okay. un- unacceptable what he was but keep in mind now, one thing I do want to, to stress about Chung Ling Su is Chung Ling Su wasn't intentionally, he wasn't, the, the character that he portrayed was also protecting a magic secret that he did on stage also. Now, mm-hmm. I think he was a little, I think he went a little too far because he even had a, another family. You know, he had two families. Uh, one like for the an, white he had guy. like an Asian family? <laughs> wow. <Yeah>. Like, <laughs> But he um and, and this is one thing that they tip in the movie The Prestige that is actually which is probably the best magic movie out there, um, but uh, you know Chung Ling Su he he did the the, the goldfish production in the fish bowl, and he wore it around his neck and the bowl he would keep between his legs. So when he walked, he looked like he was this heavy set hunched over uh, Chinese man, but that was part to protect that secret. And that is, I really cannot stress, that's what also makes a magician a little psycho, is the fact, the things that we do just protect that method and that secret, so you'll never know. Mm-hmm. Um, that, that's the real secret to magic, is a magician will do things, will go to the extreme to do things to where you would think no rational human being would ever do. Mm-hmm. Um, it reminds me very much of pro wrestling, and I'm not a wrestler, but I've listened to plenty of podcasts, and they're like, and in, in, in the wrestling world, breaking characters called breaking kayfabe, that, that carny yeah, speak word. So, you know, they would, they're riding together. That's bad guys in one car and good guys in the other. And you can't, you can't be seen. A good guy can't be seen with a bad guy. Like those are the lengths of like, everybody knows it's kind of, it's fake. It's not real. It's predetermined. But again, if, if you see two a bad guy and a good guy in the car, then you're like, oh, I know it's, it's fake for sure. And, and you know, the, uh, the, and the bullet catch that, mm-hmm. that, you know, that killed, I think 13 magicians mm-hmm. in history. So it's, it's, it's definitely the most deadliest magic trick ever. Um, David Blaine being the last one I see do it and did it the, you know, the most impressive way, but I, I, super insane. Mm-hmm. You know, he had like the steel, you know, mouthpiece, Put in his put in his mouth and literally a, a bullet you know shot in his mouth and that and um, I saw, I saw didn't that go wrong too like didn't it go to the back of his throat 
Um, I know there was some stuff that went on with it, and uh, Ozzy Wind was, you know, uh, one of his uh, consultants, uh, who's another amazing magician, begging him, look, if you do this again, I'm done. I'm not part of this no more. It is one of the dumbest uh, things that you can do. Now, granted, I do a bullet catch, Brent. Mm -hmm. Except mine, I use rubber band guns. Uh, so, <laughs> yeah, the uh, and and the what I do is I, I have a spectator come up on stage and I've got all these different colored rubber bands and they pick one of the rubber bands without me seeing and then they load it on the rubber band gun and then they get to shoot me in the face with all these different colored rubber bands and uh, I wind up catching their rubber band between my teeth. So yeah, that's what I love. Yeah. With, with magic is you can have 30 guys do the same trick but it's different it's a different well, variation of it that's also where you know because you know studying comedy and magic that's where magic in some ways is a lot like music mm -hmm. because when you have a musician they can cover a song and if, but if they cover it their way it's special now what's horrible is whenever they try to sound like the originator you know yeah. that that's when it's garbage so it's a lot like that with magic because there's only so many effects in magic. You can't, you can't make up a new effect in magic. And if you do a classic like the bullet catch or the cups and balls or, or any of those routines, a good magician will give his own twist on it. Mm -hmm. uh, I will tell you this. I always, always bring this up. My favorite comedy magician. Uh, he's one of these guys, Brent, that I don't watch because I get jealous. Mm -hmm. That's how good he is. You know, and uh, he he's a master at mixing comedy and magic. But uh, you've seen, have you ever seen the routine? It's the billiard ball routine where a magician will have like a bunch of balls in his hands and there's like one, two, three, four, between his fingers. No, no. Okay, well, it's a classic routine. It's a real boring routine mm -hmm. uh, that's been done over the years forever. Uh, but, um, and it's usually done to music. Mm -hmm. Well, Rune... Um, I saw him do this and he, uh, he's like, Hey, would you like to see me do the beard ball, you know, trick with, with the balls to music? You know, everybody's like, yeah, yeah. Well, you know, Rune comes out, he, he brings the balls out and he sticks, uh, some earphones, you know, in his ear. And he's like, how am I doing? You know, <laughs> I just, I look at that man and I'm like, dude, that is, that's the best beard ball routine I've ever seen, man. Yeah. That, and I'm jealous that I didn't think of that. You know, just a that so. simple twist. <laughs> yeah, dude. <laughs> just, just making it your own. Yeah. Uh, the dentist who accidentally swallowed a razor blade. I don't know if you know this one. Australian dentist, Dr. Vivian Hensley, should probably have known the risk of putting a sharp object near his mouth when he died during a botch stunt in 1938. This, the expiring magician was performing his own trick, swallowing a rusty razor blade, uh, something he'd uh, pretend to do instead slipping it down his sleeve. But on this occasion, the blade accidentally went down his throat. Uh, he was rushed to the hospital and reportedly uh, his wife made him eat cotton balls on the way as she drove. And uh, unfortunately, he, he's dead. Oh, man. That sucks. I hate, I hate to hear somebody somebody has died. But all these, uh, none of these end well. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> The, uh, he should have used rubber razor blades, though. You know what I mean? I yeah. mean, that's uh oh god, dude, that's a horrible way to go. At least he didn't. I hope he died. He didn't have to like try to pass it. Oh my oh, god! Oh, he died there, right? What's that? He died on me there. 
uh, in the hospital. Uh, oh. Four days later. Oh. Oh my God. Yeah. How come they couldn't? Uh, you would think they could. They'd be able to take it out. out. Yeah. This uh, the, looking up these stories is the only research I do. I could have delved further to tell you why, <laughs> but I've I stopped my research. Yeah, that's a rubber razor blade. Again, that's a that's the what you said a toy that has become a tool. Because what other that's industry what... is going to have a rubber <laughs> razor blade? We've got everything rubber, and it's uh, you know, I don't want to tip secrets, but um, you know, that it, it's just don't be dumb, you yeah. know, don't. And there's ways to there. There's some guys out there right now that switch in the tools with the real thing and the real thing out, and you would never know it. It's just brilliant ways. Yeah. So you can well, be that, safe. That's like the bullet catch trick, and uh, I think it was uh, Brandon Lee was the guy that played the crow, and I think that's his was a stunt gun, but also something mis misfired, and he got shot for real in the movie The Crow, which I've never seen, but I know this backstory of like, again, this is a prop thing, but something still went wrong. Yeah, stuff can always go wrong. And, and people, I always try to, you know, even anytime that I involved, anytime I involve the spectator, I always think, well, what can go wrong? Because you don't want them to get hurt, you know? That could I mean, be lawsuits for the venue, for you, and that's, absolutely. oh, man. Uh, the Brit uh, escapeologist who was buried alive, do you know Anthony Britton? I don't. I, I I know this story though, and this is horrible. Yeah. Do you want to? Do you want to do this one? And well, just... no, no. I don't. I, all I know is that I, I remember he he uh, he did get buried alive, and uh, they even filmed it, I believe. Yeah. And uh, he he didn't get out. He, uh, he, he hated. The stuntman uh, was not in a coffin and didn't have any pipes or oxygen tanks aiding him. He failed to break through to the surface almost nine minutes into the bid. He ended up being pulled out from the ground unconscious and uh, suffered a broken rib. I think this one, this is the one where the guy lived. Okay. He said the pressure of the soil was crushing around him. So this guy was not even like a coffin. He was just buried alive. I don't, that, that. And that, I, that's never... like, this is magic gone wrong, but as this is also like escape. There's like a fine line between escape and magic to me. I've never, I've never, I never like escapes, escape magic. Like I've, any time I've ever seen a magician in a straitjacket, I've never been impressed. Like, oh my God, I wonder if he's going to get out. Mm -hmm. You know, let me see you get out of a pair of skinny jeans in the middle of July. If you want to impress <laughs> me. Uh, escape artist, uh, Joseph Burris, who was desperate to emulate Houdini, uh, tried a buried alive trick. Joseph, who was 32, was lying inside a see-through casket, which again, a toy that becomes a tool. I don't, I don't see a lot of see-through caskets. <laughs> That's what I want. I want a see-through casket. That's only, only a magician would have a see-through casket. <laughs> uh, a cement truck then poured its contents onto the casket, but uh, tragedy struck when the coffin uh, suddenly collapsed under the weight of the cement. And I, I don't know if that affects it. If like, how would you, how could you not test the cement on the casket before you even got in? But I don't know if a human body changes the the dynamics of the casket. You know, I don't know that. I'm still trying to figure out why he would he would want it see through. That there's now in magic, everything has a purpose. You yeah. know, you don't have magic. see through sleeves. Yeah, yeah, you know. So 
I don't understand that part. Now, this is the story I think I did hear because yeah, the one I heard, the guy didn't come out a lot. That's this one. Okay. Yeah. Uh, and cement, man. What a way to go. But it's also got to be weird because he's dead and they got to dig him up to bury him. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, God, that's hilarious. And I know this is a sad story, but like, (laughs) could you imagine being like, like, we got to get this guy up so we can take him to the funeral home? (laughs) You know? Oh, man, dude. Oh, man, we're both going to hell. Yeah, yeah, that's for sure. (laughs) Me more than you. Uh, a presenter who was impaled by a nail on TV. When I mean presenter, this is in Poland. So think of like a morning show that you would see uh, that you and I would go do to promote our show. Uh, a, uh, a host, uh, Marzina, so, sorry, her name's Marzina. That's what we need to know because I can't say the last name. Got more than she bargained for when she agreed to participate in a magic trick during the question for breakfast show. The Russian roulette style stunt involved her slamming her hand down on one of three paper bags, one of which had a sharp upside down nail hidden beneath it. Are you familiar with this story or this trick? I am 100% familiar with this story. And I talk about this story in my show. The The name of the routine, it's called smash and stab. Mm-hmm. And uh, now the way I tell the story in my show, I talk about a magician, a spectator slamming her hand on a broken beer bottle. Uh, so in my show, I don't use anything dangerous. I use dog shit. (laughs) You're using rubber band guns and dog shit. (laughs) Absolutely. (laughs) So no one's, no, no one's really in danger, but, uh, yeah, I'm familiar with that. And I talk about that. And, uh, personally, I don't think that, I don't think that's magic because even whenever that trick goes right, that routine goes right. And you reveal like the one bag they didn't smash had a giant spike in it. Mm -hmm. They're not feeling wonder. You know, yeah, it's relief. Oh, thank God. Absolutely. So that's not magic, you know, uh, but and then to, to be as irresponsible as that jackass was bringing an innocent bystander and putting them in danger like that. That guy doesn't mm-hmm. need to be doing any type of performing at all. This. Yeah. The, there's a picture online. She, the nail went through her hand. It's horrible. She, dude. Oh, Imagine uh, the, probably terrified of magicians now. <laughs> yeah. Or nails, at least or paper bags. <laughs> One of the three, and again, I thought buying a cucumber was uh, difficult every day. You gotta, you gotta get dog poop, Danny. I gotta get dog poop and a cucumber, bro. I gotta get a lot, and that's difficult if you don't have a dog. <laughs> it's, it's awkward. Yes. Uh, George Lalonde and the backstabbing audience member. Do you know anything about this? Backstabbing audience member. No, my God, this sounds amazing. Most sensible people uh, regard illusions for what they are, bits of misdirection. But Harry Howard, who sat in the audience of a show in Montreal in 1936, became agitated when stage magician George Lalonde prepared to saw his assistant in half. Howard rushed the stage, grabbed a sword, and plunged it into Lalonde's neck and what she perceived as an act of heroism. Lalonde survived while Howard told the police, quote, he couldn't bear to see a woman cut in two. Oh, you know you're at a magic God. show, right? Like, <laughs> you're not in the Roman Coliseum. You're, I know it's 1936, but come on. But you know what, though? It, I don't think it matters on the time. You know, mm-hmm. I, you meet people who are, like, I'll never forget, um, I was doing, I was, I was booked at a fair 
Mm-hmm. And I was doing a street show. And at the end, this lady came up to me and she goes, sir, I've got some very expensive jewelry at my home. Would you be willing to come to my house and hypnotize me and help me find this jewelry? And I told her no. And, you know, I, I was like, that's a scam. Don't do this. Someone's going to, you know, rob you blindly. But it just blew me away that people were that gullible, you know. Do you even do hypnotic? No, I don't uh, even do that. I don't even do that. But she just just thought that I had some type of magic power or something. So That's so uh, bizarre of like, this is like a magician. I don't don't know that a magician would ever be like, I have powers. (laughs) Well, you got got idiots like Uri Geller, you know. And uh, I think Kreskin is kind of like a jackass like that, too. And why, why do you say that about those two guys? Um, well, Kreskin is just kind of like uh, when he performs, you know, he does it in mentalism, but he, he he's kind of pushy and arrogant. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, to me, I, I don't think that makes up a good performer. And, and, yeah. and, and if you want to pretend like what you're doing is real, that's your business. But at the same time, whenever you start taking advantage of people or taking their money, yeah, you mess with their beliefs, that's not right. That's a con. You always hear those news stories of oh this the psychic got a hundred and thirty thousand dollars from her client, and yeah. It, you know, and it it's so yeah like you can tell a loved one hey this is fake all you want, but if they believe it to to them it's real. I've tried I've I've tried to um I've, I've met a lady one time and she was going to a psychic, who um the the guy's dead now but um this guy was like I don't know like. $5,000 an hour oh, and man. celebrities would fly in to see him. And, but, but this is the thing. There was a 20 year waiting list to see this guy. Okay. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So I, I told her I was, no, no, I'm sorry. I, I'm sorry. It was a, a two year waiting list. Not okay. 20, but still, years. still, but still two years. So I told her, I was like, now think about this for a minute. If I had two years to find out everything I needed to know about you, you know, I mean, it's mm-hmm. and at the, the income the guy was making, he could hire every private investigator he wanted to to find out anything. So, I mean, it's it's just a big uh, there's so I'm not saying that psychics are not real. I'm not saying that because, hell, I had an aunt that was pretty, pretty amazing. Uh, and everyone, you know, we've all been thinking about spaghetti and then wind up sitting in a big old plate of spaghetti, you know, so, mm-hmm. uh, we've had stuff like that happen, but I don't think most of these people on TV or on the, on these, you know, on the internet. Yeah. You know, I don't most think of they're running on. your credit card. Uh, you know, <laughs> uh, last, last story that went wrong, uh, Bala Brega and the flaming moths. Are you familiar with this one? No. Uh, Swedish conjurer Bala Brega was fascinated by an elaborate deception involving six assistants dressed as moths who would appear before uh, being, quote, consumed by flames. After purchasing the rights to perform this illusion, he traveled to Brazil in June of 1900 for a tour. The trick required a supply of gas for the flame, but the theater wasn't set up for uh, for gas. So instead, Balabrega substituted acetylene, which I know is very flammable. Uh, it's what you would use in welding, I think. Acetylene, uh. which immediately ignited during uh, preparation and literally blew the magician and nearby assistants to pieces. Oh, my. what year was this? 1900. Oh, my God. 
gosh, man. So can you I, imagine just being in the audience and be like, oh my God, that was awesome. And then just being like, hold on. <laughs> They're waiting on him to like, he's going to appear in the crowd, isn't he? Yeah. He's, he's behind me, isn't he? Yeah. No, that that's Bugs, his arm. That Bugs Bunny and Daffy Duck uh, short where like I think Daffy blows himself up and they're like that was great and he's like yeah but I can only do it once <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> that's hilarious the I I don't know man those things are that's gosh I never knew that now I do know and I'm not sure with this one maybe afterwards if you want to like you know get post-traumatic stress or something mm-hmm. there's a uh, there's actually one of a, a deca- uh, of assistant getting decapitated. Oh man! So uh, is that a video? Because I googled. There was a video of somebody. It was a, somebody getting cut in half, and I couldn't tell if that was real or not. Now, uh, cut in half. That I haven't heard. Most of the time, that is an illusion. They've got some pretty great ones out there. But now. then they acted like it was real because they pulled the the box up and the, this lady screamed. And I was like, I don't know if this is because there wasn't like any context to it i'm like i can't tell if this is real or not so i'm gonna i'm gonna say it's not real yeah yeah that i don't know if it it, i doubt that's real um now the one with the lady in the uh those guillotines creep me out i don't like those guillotines any damn way the guillotine magic trick like i literally have a guillotine that i want to like probably destroy because the it the, the illusion is all depending on just one click Mm-hmm. So if that person doesn't latch one little thing, that thing's really coming down on your neck. And I'm just like, screw that. I don't, you know. You could sell it to Alice Cooper because I've seen him do that trick uh, both times. Yeah, that's a that's a classic, you know. And uh, I used to always want to do the guillotine trick. I just thought, oh, man, this would be so fun to do until, you know, I realized it could go wrong. Yeah, yeah. Uh, now, I do have an arm chopper, though. I, I, I chop my arm off. That's a, at that. <laughs> This is, it's, it's a, it's a Halloween. I've got a Halloween comedy show too. I do because I work a lot of creepy cons and, and a lot of horror cons and stuff. Mm-hmm. So instead of the cucumber, uh, what I do, I have someone borrow a bill, I borrow the bill and they sign it, we vanish it. And then I, instead of cutting the cucumber up, I cut my arm up and inside my numb is their, their signed dollar bill. So. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. It's now you gotta yeah. get, you gotta get severed <laughs> arms, cucumbers, <laughs> poop, uh, arm guillotine arm choppers yeah arm chopper uh <laughs> real quick before we wrap this up i always remember my grandpa would tape this and show it to me but i remember that special back in the day where this magician was like i'm gonna reveal all the secrets do you do you remember <laughs> that special absolutely i do the 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 mass magician also before we get out of here i gotta show you a quick card trick okay but cool. uh the uh mass magician series which um the, the great thing about magic is uh, there's so many different methods and ways to do stuff. So e- even when they do expose a secret, that's just one of the many different ways of how to do the same trick. Mm-hmm. Um, and also there's something about um, people. If, if you're just interested in the secret, you'll forget it in 15 minutes. Yeah. Well, especially if you watch all these specials, they're like, I, I don't know how we did that one, you know. Yeah. And I've, I've never been uh, the kind of magician that I, I get hung up on secrets or any of that mess. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, my goal is always to do my show entertaining enough to where they're not so much wrapped up on on the how he did it, mm-hmm. you know, 
Now, like, you know, I did mention the Vanishing Banana. One thing I do really like about that, though, is um, they'll come up to me afterwards. Hey, great show. We enjoyed this. Just one thing. Where did the banana go? Mm-hmm. You know, I never tell them. So, uh, yeah, that's the fun. <laughs> I, I, I don't want to be told, you know? Yeah. And w- we love people like you, Brent. We do. Marks. I, I do want to. You love a mark. I, absolutely. Give me one second. Though. I got to yeah. show you something amazing. And I do this on my podcast. Can I plug my podcast? Yeah, we're going to get the plugs right now. Gotcha. Well, I do this to every guest on my podcast, the Abracadam podcast. But when you were a guest on mine, the camera wasn't working, so we couldn't do this trick. So now we get to do this trick, okay? Excellent. So what we're going to do, I'm going to have you, Brent, Think of one of these cards. Just think of one. And let me know when you got it. Got it. Awesome. Now, let me lose the cards in the deck. Let's see here. I'm going to give them a shuffle. All right. Can you see the deck of cards here? Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh now, let me ask you real quick, the card you're thinking of, are you thinking of a high card, a low card, or kind of in the middle? It's a high card. A high card. Definitely a high card. I said, hold on. I'm going to try to do this. I'm obligated, Brent. I'm going to cut the deck right here. I'm obligated. Mm-hmm. Okay? What was the card you were thinking of? It was the Jack of Clubs. The Jack of Clubs. Mm-hmm. I cut to one card. I mm-hmm. said, I'm obligated. Uh, and it's the Jack of Clubs. Yes, sir. You've been abracadamed. <laughs> That's excellent. And where can people find your podcast? You can find my podcast on Spotify, uh, pretty much all the platforms where you listen to podcasts. It's the Abracadam podcast with stand up comedy magician Danny Whitson. Um, also on Facebook at the Abracadam uh, Facebook page. You can check it out there as well. And you're available for uh, private parties too, right? Absolutely. Uh, any type of booking, public, private, uh, you know, corporate, uh, holler at me. You can catch me at Danny Wits at Magic Comedy on Facebook or Danny Wits at Magic And uh, uh, Super Magic Boy on Instagram. And you're on t- uh, TikTok as well. I am on TikTok. And, you know, I've got some big things coming for TikTok that I cannot wait to uh, to get on there. So, um Yes, um, but I am on TikTok right now, and I do a, a couple crazy tricks, but uh, I've got some big things coming for TikTok, actually. Well, excellent. Danny Whitson, thank you for being on the show, man. Brent, man, thank you for having me. This was a blast.